Our colleague Costas Paris covers the shipping industry. Last week, he received a surprising phone call. I was called by a source. He told me that a very big box ship is stuck in the Suez and nothing is going through. This is big. It was big. Satellite images show the ship stuck sideways, wedged in Egypt's Suez Canal. The 200,000-ton vessel has created a traffic jam, basically. Now, more than 150 other cargo ships are backed up. It's costing the global economy some $3 billion a day. But yesterday, after six days, crews finally broke the ship free. But even though the ship is free, the situation puts a spotlight on the challenges facing the global shipping industry. This happened at the worst possible time because the world economy depends on container ships moving smoothly. And for the past year, things in the shipping industry haven't gone smoothly. And for the sailors working on those ships, it's been especially hard. Like for Captain Brian Mossman. It's been really difficult for the guys that operate these ships over the past year, and it's been pretty much invisible. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, March 30th. Coming up on the show, what one stuck ship in the Suez Canal reveals about the global supply chain and the story of one captain's terrible year at sea. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. How did this ship, the Ever Given, get stuck? What we understand is that the ship entered the canal early on Tuesday morning, local time, Egypt time, and around 8 a.m. there was some bad weather. There was a gust of wind for about a minute or two minutes of around 40 to 50 miles an hour. The wind gust did really rock the ship. It really rattled the ship. The Suez Canal is very narrow, and they did not have the time to correct the ship's movement as it was turning on its side. The bow of the ship, the front part of the ship, just got lodged, wedged into one of the canal's banks, and it got stuck. How big is this ship? It's 400 meters long. It's as high, a bit higher than the Empire State Building if you turn it up upright. And it can carry 20,000 containers. And a strong gust of wind was enough to push it off course like that? Yes, it is, because the containers can go up to 60 meters high. It's like a gust of wind hitting a tall building. If you are on the top floor, you feel the vibration, but the building has foundations of concrete and iron, the ship doesn't. It floats, so it could be pushed around. 
Was there any human error involved? Because I can't imagine this was the first gust of wind that's ever hit a ship in the Suez Canal. Indeed, it's not the first. It's being investigated whether there was any human error and also whether there was any problems with its navigation. And by navigation, I mean whether there was any mechanical failure, like the steering, like the, the, the rudder wasn't working. How unusual is it for a container ship to get stuck? It's not common, but it's not unusual. We have uh, ships stuck in many places around the world all the time. Now, if you're at open sea, right, or if there's space for the dredgers to come in and the towboats to come in, it's a pretty simple operation, right? They dredge and they tow you. But with the bow of the ship being wedged inside the mud on the one side of the wall of the Suez Canal, you cannot just pull it out because you may break the bow. And if you break the bow, there may be oil spillage, there may be environmental problems, a whole different thing. So basically what they have to do is slowly dig, dredge under the ship in order to make it loose. But the Ever Given wasn't stuck in just any canal. The Suez Canal is one of the most important waterways in the world. The canal was finished in 1869, and it allowed ships to take a shortcut from the Mediterranean to the Red Sea. It was a huge achievement. It meant that sailing between Europe and Asia no longer required a trip all the way around the tip of Africa. Even now, with modern ships, it saves at least two weeks. It's estimated that about 13% of global maritime trade goes through it. So a week-long traffic jam would have been bad at any time. But this year, it's been even worse. It's been a tough year. That's Brian Mossman again, who, until recently, captained a giant cargo ship called the Santosa. And I think that this, comparatively, would be kind of a small bump in the road compared to the, the rest of the year and how tough it's been and how tough it is right now for these guys out there. After the break, why Brian says this year was so hard for him and the whole industry. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Voice API, you get comprehensive call analytics, virtual assistance, automated speech recognition, and text-to-speech benefits across multiple languages. Developers can add smart voice functionalities into your app, giving your customers an easier way to reach you. And you can start collecting real-time data to drive more meaningful engagement to move your business forward. Learn more at Vonage.com. How many times do you think you've sailed through the Suez Canal in your career? Oh, boy. You know, I I would really have to sit down and do some hard uh, calculations on that one. But uh, more times than I, would, I, I could count, I'd say less than 1,000, probably more than 500 right off the bat. What is it normally like? It's normally a rather routine operation. It's a, a sea-level canal that cuts right through the desert. 
And on the Egypt side, it's it's uh, rather lush and green due to all the irrigation they have. On the, on the Sinai side, it's, it's mostly just an expanse of desert. So a lot of times it'll be like you're sailing through a ditch in the desert. If you were in that situation and you ran aground in the Suez Canal, what do you think the first words that would come out of your mouth would have been? <laughs> Probably something we couldn't say on the podcast. <laughs> Brian Mossman has worked at sea for nearly four decades. He most recently captained the Sentosa, which regularly travels a 77-day route between the east coast of the U.S. and India. It passes through the Suez Canal in both directions. Brian is now nowhere near the Suez Canal. He's back home in New Hampshire. But he experienced the shipping industry's difficult year firsthand. Last March, Brian was preparing for a nearly three-month journey that would take him in his ship from New York to India. The first step in that journey was to dock in New York and swap out the ship's crew. But as Brian followed the news about the pandemic, he realized that might not be possible. I just realized the risk of taking on board if we get one, one of the seamen had a COVID infection and we got out across the Atlantic, it would have raced through that whole ship. I would have been out of range of medical care. So on my own, I made the decision not to take any crew changes in New York. And I had to ask all the crew members who were on board who had already made one trip, they were expecting to get off. I had to ask them if they would make the next trip with me because it wouldn't be safe to take on people out of the general populace in New York. How long had they been on the boat at that point? Well, some of them had been on board for three or four months at that point, and they were expecting to get off. Just as Brian set sail from New York with his weary crew, the pandemic was upending the global shipping industry and the source of the ship's typical cargo. Here's Costas again. Factories closed down or cut production drastically. Workers at ports just didn't go to work. So the ports and the production centers were idled. This means that there was very little to put in ships. The ships started canceling trips in droves. That was around February, March last year. The freight rates just collapsed. In May, after factories had been closed for months and ships were left with little to transport, Brian's higher-ups called to deliver some tough news. His ship was being taken out of service. And they told me, Captain Mossman, you're going to take your ship into Dubai. We're going to strip all the cargo off it. You're going out to anchor for a 77-day rotation. And this was after I had had these guys, and I asked them to, to stay with me for one trip. They expected to be done in 77 days. So this threw another 77 days on, on top of these guys. Wow. And it was tough, be, you know, for that, for crew morale situations, but also because we, we weren't able to get any food. We can only make water when we're underway. So our potable water supplies were limited, our food was limited. And most concerning to me was that if anybody was to get hurt or injured or fall ill, I wouldn't have been able to get them ashore for medical care because they weren't accepting anybody off the ships. That sounds like a dangerous situation. Yeah, it was very concerning to me. And I did everything I could to ensure that everybody stayed safe. In August, after some crew members had spent more than eight months on board, they were finally allowed to disembark in Dubai. By then, the global supply chain faced a new challenge. Factories had reopened and demand for goods skyrocketed. After being idle for months, Costa says suddenly nearly every cargo ship on Earth was called back into service to deal with the enormous backlog. Especially the United States, but also Europe. 
There's pent-up demand by e-commerce retailers like Amazon, Walmart, and Target, and others, which means that every ship available is being utilized. Because just about every ship was in use, it meant that there was almost no slack in the system, which made a roughly 400-ship traffic jam in the Suez Canal a big problem. So, Costas, can you tell me the story of how the ship finally got free? So basically, to get the uh, ever given unstuck, engineers basically needed the stars to align. After several days of trying to dislodge the ever given, a high tide and a full moon (laughs) brought the waters up by uh, about a foot and a half, the normal high tides, and that made it easier for the tugs to refloat the ever given and get it out of the way. And what do you know about how people reacted once they got the boat free? Oh, there was elation. There are videos around of people screaming, Egyptian captains screaming, Allah Akbar, which is God is great. Then that was not just confined at the scene. It spread all over. There was elation from Copenhagen, where AP Moller Marsk is based, the biggest container shipping company in the world, to Hamburg, to Marseille in France, where other container operators are based. But even though the ship is free, the problems the traffic jam has caused will take a lot longer to resolve. When you have 400 ships moving at the same time that were trapped in the Suez, moving at the same time at ports across Europe, or going the other way towards Asia, what you will get is a lot of port congestions. Those ships will all show up at about the same time, and that will exasperate it already congested situation at ports around the world. But Brian won't have to deal with the fallout from the canal incident. After getting off that ship in Dubai last August, he decided to retire. What do you think that this past year, sort of broadly, says about the state of our global supply chain? Our global supply chain is extremely fragile. And If this didn't bring it home to everyone, then you're not paying attention. This is something that people like me who have been working in this industry, we've known all along. This is a system that works in the background and it's invisible. That's all for today, Tuesday, March 30th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.